Hey, morning, Gongas girl. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. How are you going? Oh, you know, a bit tired, feet a bit sore. Very big day yesterday. Um, but other than that, the there seems to be actual blue sky here in Melbourne this morning. So that's, um, yeah, it's not too bad here either. It's a bit cold, a bit cold, but there is a bit of blue sky. Hey, this time yesterday you phoned me and you said, hey, quick, teach me how to intubate. <laughs> and I was I don't I, I, like, think my, I think my exact words were, I don't have time to explain, talk <laughs> me through intubation. I don't think it was teaching because I've noticed there's some comments about that. It was talk me through an intubation. Yeah. It was a very specific intubation for a very specific reason. I do not intend to be doing this skill <laughs> ongoing. And so I didn't need you to teach me the skill. I just needed you to talk me through it once. Which to is, do yeah, on yeah. a mannequin. Which is what which is what I did. I obviously didn't bother to like explain the rest of it. So I was like, okay, have you got a laryngoscope? You're like, yep. Have you got a tube? Yep. Okay, good. Have you got have you got a mannequin? Yep. Okay, good. <laughs> and then we just went through it. And Look, two and a half minutes later, the uh, mannequin's chest was going up and down and the tube was in the lungs. That's pretty good. Yeah, and it was literally that simple. And so basically what had happened was um, we – and, like, just thank you so much for, first of all, not uh, at any point questioning what this crazy woman was on about, but you're used to me by now uh, – because pretty much I said, I don't have time to talk. I just need you to talk me through this, which was the truth, because we were setting up for this massive simulation that we did yesterday afternoon. And um, the simulation was um, just to set the scene for everybody so no one's concerned that I'm becoming um, an airway person. Uh, the situation was that um, the hospital I work in is imp- implementing an electronic medical record it's been delayed because of the pandemic, but it is still going to go ahead. And um, we've not had an electronic medical record at all. And so we were testing the new process for the massive transfusion protocol. And so we um, had created a scenario where we had a woman with a massive postpartum hemorrhage of like over three litres um, and then needing to institute the massive transfusion protocol using the EMR to see what would happen. And so in order to make all that happen in a short period of time uh, so that we could get all this done, the scenario starts with the mannequin tube have uh, general anaesthetic um, in, you know, in lithotomy prepped and draped that, cause none of that is the point of the scenario. And when I went to set up, I couldn't find anyone free at all from anesthetics. So it's like, well, you know, I could leave this till later, but I can see that going horribly wrong later. Um, and so that was when I rang you and went, talk me through this intubation because I had, I, I, I haven't done this since I was a medical student, really. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting to me. This, you know, and so of course I put that up on on Twitter, not really thinking much about it. And it's so interesting to see the commentary of the tweet that I put up on my site, 
versus the commentary that was on your site. And so many people were like, hey, well done, you know, good teaching, good learning. That's really great. Well done, teamwork. And then, of course, because it's Twitter, people come out with, well, you know, you don't think you're an anaesthetist now and you actually haven't been taught how to intubate. You've just done one part of it. It's like, you know, come on, guys. At no, you know, at no point are we suggesting that now um, inquisitive guy is a consultant anaesthetist and we'll just let her at it. But I tell you what's interesting about that simulation. There are two things of interest to me. The first thing is well done to you and your team for actually simulating um, what the electronic medical record does for a critical uh, emergent scenario because in my experience, most hospitals just put the electronic medical record in there and then find out in real time when there is a real critical uh, patient there about all of the issues with that new system interacting with the humans and the existing systems there. And often it's unpleasant, which was why some of us are a little bit bristly with electronic medical records. The other thing is... It's a beautiful illustration of teaching and learning. And here's the thing. You asked me to do a thing, and I was like, sure, no worries. And because I knew that you would just follow along, and because we have a safe, high-trust relationship, we were able to just push through that task without any distractions, no ego, no worries about being shamed or belittled or humiliated. And so the teaching learning relationship was profound. And that's what I love about being in the operating theater when I've got a high trust team. There's no ego. It's just about everybody making each other better in the room so that the patient can benefit. And that is that beautiful sweet spot in the operating theatre. And what's interesting to me is I quite commonly ask my surgical colleagues to help with critical parts of the anaesthetic, whether it's to place a cannula for me if I'm doing a gas induction, whether to squeeze the bag if I'm having to hold on tight to the airway. And guess what? Surgeons are really good at all of these things. They're really good at all these things. So I don't know why we don't include Aww. each other more in these processes. Thanks, Ron Gaskell. I think, I mean, thank you. And I think, um, you know, thank you for that, a, talking me through it. And you're right, we have a high trust relationship, and which includes, like, I rang you and I had a pretty good idea that you'd be free, but I wasn't 100% sure what you'd be doing. I knew you wouldn't be actually getting your eyebrows um, done yet. <laughs> you're not allowed to do that. Um, but, um, you know, I kind of had no hesitation of if I ring you and say, I don't have time to talk, I just need you to talk me through this, that you would do it. Um, and uh, not for a second did I think you would say, well, you're just going to have to wait for an anaesthetist to be around. Um, so the really interesting thing for me was how calm you were and that it felt like you were over my shoulder. Like a couple of people have asked, were you on video? No, she wasn't on video. It, I had her on the iPhone, on speakerphone, uh, on the pillow, on the, like underneath the pillow next to me. And, um, and she's like, open the laryngoscope. So the light shows, I'm like, yeah, I do know that amount much. Um, and, and then, put the blade in, put the blade in from the right side of the mouth and then sweep it round. And, 
And then I obviously, because I have not done this since I was a medical student, um, uh, and when I was a medical student, I'm pretty confident I only ever did it on a, uh, on a mannequin or maybe like I, I helped somebody with an airway. Um, so... Um, and the, and the, and the lumingoscope blade was too far in. And so she's like, I, I was like, I can't really see. All I can see is like one big tube. And she's like, can you see the vocal cords and the epiglottis? No, I can't see that. And for a second I was like, maybe the mannequin doesn't have it. And I'm like, no, I know the mannequin does. So, uh, pulled the, and Don Gaskell very quickly told me what to do and pulled the blade, um, back further and then put the tube in. And so for me, it was really exciting, but the, to have that learning experience, as you say, like it was like, oh, I'm not usually the learner. I'm usually the teacher. So to go through that like that was wonderful. And also I then afterwards had the most interesting conversation with one of our anaesthetic registrars because I had gone to him earlier to get the right um, ETT because you need quite a small one for the mannequin. And so he'd given it to me and then he came to find me afterwards when he'd finished with patients. Oh, did you manage to get it in? And he was so lovely. He's like, you know, it's, I said, yeah, I did. And he said, oh, that's really good. It's much harder on the mannequin than it is in real life often because it's really stiff. Um, and I said, oh, it was really useful for me to get that hands-on understanding of how difficult what you guys do. And so in terms of what you just said in, in, in relation to the team working, whilst we would, I would usually never put somebody in a simulation doing something they don't do or is without beyond their scope of practice. Sometimes actually being in someone else's shoes is really useful. Um, and, and I think exactly what you said in terms of the EMR simulation, um, and teams trust having high trust. This was a pretty big deal for us to do with our team. It was a very big PPH. Like, so, and we had um, monitors going and the usual noises that would be going and we had simulated blood. So we had three litres of, simu of simulated blood um, that ended up coming out because we've got a pump, a, a suit with a pump, so we were able to create that situation. Yeah, that so it was, it was like, even you just describing that makes my heart rate go up yeah, a little bit. So because that's very a real. scenario that really none of us like at all, really high stakes, really high risk, um, lots of things need to go go well in those situations. Which was the whole point of we don't need to, you know, we don't need to be going through the beginning bit of this patient being intubated and transferred onto the bed and all of that because that wasn't the point of the simulation. The point of the simulation was to test using the new um, electronic medical record to or to activate and order the massive transfusion protocol and then um, give the blood and what happens next. And so, you know, so like once we, you know, once I um, put the tube in and connected it up and, um, yes, with you talking me through, you know, um, ventilated the patient with bag mask to confirm that it was in the right place. Um, and I was so excited. I was like a little kid. Like it was really cool for me to have been able to do it um, not that I have any intention, like I, there's no way, no, no, I want to do that ever again, uh, really. But it was, it was a cool thing to be able to yeah, do primarily yeah. in terms of the micro teaching. Like it was such, it was one of those moments, like you said, of teaching where you're just like, if you have a high trust relationship and you have respect for your learner and you just break it down into steps and you, and, and you trouble, if, if, if one bit doesn't work, you know, try and get them to take a step back and do the next thing instead of 
just taking over or um, just going, oh, why can't you do that? Like you've got to attempt to break it down into those steps and you did that so effectively. And well, thank you very much. But I tell you what, doing something on the phone without having vision at all actually sharpens the mind, you know, because you actually have to state every bit because I couldn't see that you had a mannequin or a laryngoscope or a tube or whatever. So you're actually forced to break down each little bit of it. It's kind of interesting. It's an interesting exercise to teach somebody something when you can't see what they're doing. Hmm. It was hmm. interesting. Cool. So maybe we, well, should, maybe we should do that next time. Anyway, well done, you. Thanks. Thanks all for being here. All right. Nicole, you have all sorts of skills. We know that. <laughs> <laughs> now you, you have a great day, my love. All right, you too. I'm still Bye. Alive. Bye. Am I bleeding?